I Ann Wilson bringing the word this morning. So let's give her a big ovation this morning. Come on, church. Woo! Hey, happy Sunday. All right. Let's pray. Thank you for this amazing day, Lord, for this opportunity that we have in your presence. We thank you for your word. Let it change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good to see you here. Um, thank you, special helper, beautiful Stephanie. Why don't we thank our team, our worship team, production team, all of our helpers. So grateful uh, for people who choose to wake up and serve God. It's a good thing. Okay, you can take your seats. No worries. So Pastor Jonathan sends his love. Actually, I need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Just give me a second. I've got to just share something. This is not for any one particular person. Actually, it's for Michael Elman. Happy anniversary, Michael and Polly. Seven years. So excited. All I wanted to do was be your flower girl. But anyway, London did that, get that opportunity. Um, I was just in the back room a moment ago, Michael, and I felt really clearly... Uh, how uh, to encourage you about the uh, innocence and purity of the faith you have in Jesus. And I was thinking, this is actually a word for all of us, but I did want to mention you by name because you're a great example. Um, and the, the scripture is about the blind man that Jesus healed. There's so much in that scripture, uh, in, in um, John, the book of John. But really at the end of the day, and this is what these words were coming to me um, in my heart, my spirit for you. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you're all going on about. I don't know <laughs> what your deal is. I just know I once could not see and now I can see. And, you know, when it comes to the gospel, we can get it really complicated. We can um, make it mechanical. We can do all sorts of things to turn ourselves inside out, upside down. But I was just thinking how important it is. It's got nothing to do with my message. I'm just being obedient. So maybe... A few things, so a few religious things have come and complicated your faith. If you're watching from home, be set free from that. You know, if you were lost once and now you're found, how fantastic is that? If you were blind, now you can see. So let's just not complicate. And let's thank God for the, the simplicity of the gospel. Amen? Let's thank God. <laughs> Amen. All righty. So, uh, I had an idea about 10 days ago, and that was to put my husband on a plane and send him away. You know, <laughs> COVID's been real, we're all at home. But I thought, even better than sending him away, I would send him away with London, our 13-year-old distance learner. I'm like, yep, the two of you can hop on a plane, and mummy can have some time at home with the dogs. <laughs> uh, so I did that, and I, I wanted to bless them, because London had a, um, a week of vacation, and within a couple of days, it was all organised. And I'm actually so excited because Pastor Jonathan is the hardest working man. And I want to say it's not because he's paid to do a job. It's because he loves the Lord and he has paced himself at his age. 
He is turning 66 this year, your pastor. He loves Jesus. He loves you. He serves. He's a hardworking man. And it was a pleasure to actually give him a break. Now, where did I send him? Is it really a break? For him, a real break would be sitting on some remote island. It would take three days to get there, of course. And he would just sit there under a tree, basking in the sun and going for a swim. But no, I sent him sightseeing. That's what I did. Well, I sent him to Atlanta for a couple of days to see our kids. Bo and Kylie are there. Uh, Bo, our son, and Kylie, his fiance. Uh, then Bo hopped on a plane with the two of them and they went to Virginia Beach to see Bentley. First time at the base, first time Bo's been at his new base. Um, then they all drove to Washington, D.C. Interesting place to be right now, right? <laughs> because uh, how many years ago? I can't count. Maybe 12 years ago when Ben and Bo, 13 years ago when Ben and Bo were in eighth grade, uh, they went on a trip to the East Coast as part of school. It was a field trip. I mean, we would just go to the zoo when I was at school. It's like <laughs> a bus ride down the road. No, no, this was like the full flight, East Coast, the whole thing, East, uh, New York and D.C. And um, so I've got a photograph of them in eighth grade, Ben and Bo. I think we're going to show that photo. Oh, they're so cute. Central Park. I always used to buy them clothes that were a little bit bigger because I knew they were going to grow into them. So look at the size of these jackets, <laughs> right? <laughs> Any mums out there like that? Come on. Any kids grow up with everything baggy all the time because you're going to grow into it? It's a true story. So then um, I got another photo coming up, and this is really precious because it is London in between or next to the boys. And it's like, wow, reenactment. Because she was only six months old when they went the first time. And then, of course, uh, the final photo is Pastor Jonathan is there. So there he is. So he sends his love to you and... Um, I'm sure you agree that it's good for him to have a rest. Now, even though he's sleep, like, hasn't had a lot of sleep and has been busy, 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 there is something about a refreshed soul that is a very, very good thing. Because a pillow is not necessarily the thing that's going to give us rest. For some of us, a pillow represents anxiety because we don't sleep at night. A pillow is not the ultimate rest. What we need to do is find our rest in Jesus. And this morning I want to speak about rest. When we started our church 15 years ago this July, we developed, well I say we developed, I'm, um, I'm, he's Batman, I'm Robin. So when it comes to Pastor Jonathan and I, um, sometimes I have ideas, I do have ideas, but <laughs> a lot of times, you know, he, we just talk about the things that God's put in um, each of our spirits. And one of them was this development of a leadership uh, selection process and he's shared this before heart capacity gift how do we select leaders how do we select leaders we select leaders in this particular order of importance priority heart capacity gift it is a different order than some organizations use to to select leaders some organizations use gift because it's obvious someone is really good at something but if they're really good at something and they have no capacity and they, uh, you know, they're good at it but they've not stretched their capacity, then what's going to happen is their heart's going to get damaged. And that's called burnout. So we purposefully have that process and that order in place for selection but also to make sure that we know that people are doing well. And when they're not doing well, it's usually about the heart. It's usually about the heart. So I want to share those three things today 
around the subject, not of leadership selection, but of rest, because they are key elements for us living a life of rest. G.K. Chesterton once wrote this, and you have to kind of, I might read it twice, it's a bit wordy, but it's really cool. He said, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. One more time. Christianity has not so much been tried and left found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. What does this mean? This means that there is nothing in the Bible that says serving God should be burdensome. There is nothing in the Word of God. It's not about life and life being easy at all. We know that. But there's nothing about a life serving God or not serving God. It's not meant to be burdensome. What's burdensome is when God calls you to do something and you don't do it. (laughs) That's called burden right there. And that usually doesn't go away. So best we work out how to live from a place of rest so that we can enjoy a long, fruitful ministry. Recently, my spiritual mum, Dr. Betty Price, many of you will know that she's my spiritual mum, some of you won't, um, her husband, Dr. Fred, passed away. And he, he was 86 years old, and they have been doing ministry for decades and decades and decades. And I love having a spiritual mum and mentor who is not going out doing nothing at 86, she is still preaching. She is still loving God. And I ask her all the time, Dr. Betty, how does this not just get hard? You know what she said? You just keep loving Jesus and loving people. I'm like, okay, simple faith, right? Easier said than done. So Matthew, we're going to read our Bible this morning. Matthew 11:28 to 30. I'm going to read from the message translation. This is what the Bible says. Are you tired? Worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How cool is that? little bit of unforced rhythm of grace. So what is the key in this scripture? It's the easy yoke. The easy yoke of Jesus. When we stay yoked to him, we get to live this life of him taking the burden. The burden comes when we unyoke ourselves. It's like click, unyoked. He doesn't do that to us. We do that to ourselves. We unyoke him. We say, I'm going to just do my own life now. And that is burdensome. So let's look at these three things. We're going to start with heart. Number one, Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So I looked up the word guard in the dictionary. I love words. Um, And many of us know this scripture, guard your heart, guard your heart. It's very important because out of it, you know, flows our life. And I thought about the word guard. What does it actually mean? You know what the dictionary says it means? It means uh, to protect against damage or harm. It doesn't mean lock away. To protect against damage or harm. So here I am, a bit of a visual thinker and learner. I thought, oh, I've got a great little 
example here. This is London's, one of London's uh, volleyball knee pads. Say hi to the knee pad, everyone. <laughs> you can't really see, but uh, this one is <laughs> scraped up. She plays hard. She's a competitive, she's on a competitive team. Um, she's about to do her first interstate game uh, tournament soon. But this is a picture of a guard. And this is a picture of what happens when you play the game and you stay in the game and you guard. And so I love this because I don't, want the, I don't want my baby to get hurt. I don't want her to have bruises. I don't want her to get cuts and scrapes. But at the end of the day, she wants to play the game. She wants to stay in the game. So this does not prevent all injuries. What it does is it keeps her in the game. And when she gets a bruise and gets an owie, then she deals with her bruise, she deals with her owie. But I'm not wrapping her in cotton wool, telling her to sit in her room and sit life out because she's going to get hurt. This is what we need to do. Wrap our heart in the love of Christ. Wrap our heart in the love of Christ as though he's not experienced the pain. He's experienced every pain, every sin, every pain, every betrayal, every, every single thing we've experienced and ever will. He's already experienced it. Wrap your heart in love and don't build a brick wall. I've used this example before. A great boundary is like a fence with a gate where you can wave at the world. Nice to see your neighbour. Doesn't mean you let them in. You don't have to let everyone in. But you, you stay in the neighbourhood. I'm in the neighbourhood. And it also has a, got a, a, an egress. Bye. <laughs> you can leave now. and you, you can let people out of your life. But having that freedom, who comes in, who goes out, and for you not, not to build a brick wall fortress and to say, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. That's not what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to live in freedom. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Uh, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Offence is a really, really bad thing. Have you ever known anyone who has an offence? Uh, usually they've had it and they still have it and they'll have it for a long time because offence, once it's there, is a root. And there isn't... Some people, I've got relatives... They're so funny. My older relatives on Facebook, I'm on Facebook to basically see my friends from Australia, my school friends, some relatives. I have got um, some relatives that are like older, like a lot older. Say, really, you are still not over that yet? <laughs> I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. Why? Because once it's set in, it's there. It's like it becomes part of the person. And the worst part, especially in church life, is it actually, Bible says, it corrupts many. It's like having an infection and catching an infection off somebody. Next thing you know, you didn't even have this in the first place. You caught it off somebody else. That's what it looks like. So we've got to guard our heart and help others to guard theirs. So when, when a pain comes, when, sorry, when a hurt comes or a pain comes, we deal with it. That's the first thing to do. And then do not let it become an offense. Talk to somebody. We're here for you. I know it sounds like a slogan, but um, hurts come and they're real. And if you minimize it, well, if, if you and Jesus can deal with it, perfect. That's the way, right? I'm like, this really upset me, but I'm, I'm fine because... But if you can't, then talk to somebody and get some help. Don't let that root of bitterness, like, ruin your life and take other people out. All righty. So number two. Are we good? I love you, church. 
I love being back in church. I've got to say, it's a true story. And love you at home too. Glad that you were with us in church. <laughs> Number two, capacity. Capacity. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. Oh, do you like my new folder? Can anyone see my folder? Because Wonder Woman literally fell apart. Like, the, like no, no, no back cover anymore. So this is just to remind you. Okay. Capacity. The definition of capacity is this. It is the maximum amount that something can contain. Proverbs 31.14 in the New Living Translation says this. She is like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. Many years ago, many, many years ago, when we first planted our church and we were, um, our, our women's ministry was called uh, Newport. What was it called? Newport Women. That's right. And then we morphed into sisterhood. But I did an entire series on Proverbs 31 that went for years. <laughs> and we would get to a verse and just stay there until we like, fully explore what it meant to us for our lives. And when we got to this verse, I was asking God why it was there. Like, the merchant ship? Great. The, the, the large grey thing? Why is she like the large grey thing? I don't know what to say about this one. <laughs> and one of our team actually shared a thought about capacity and shared the fact that a merchant ship is the largest moving vessel on planet Earth. And that is all about capacity. And when it comes to our capacity, we all have a different capacity. It's like the Bible shares, has the parable when Jesus talked about the talents. One got five, one got two, one got one, according to their abilities. And our capacity is something that we can grow. Other, you know, some people have got a certain capacity in, in some areas and others in other areas. But it's definitely something that we should be looking for increase in. And not just busy, being, you know, busy, busy, busy. But when I'm working really hard, I want to see fruit. I want to see that my, my capacity is not just for doing, you know, an 80-hour week. No thanks, I used to do those. <laughs> I want to I have a, a week where I know I have worked hard, I know I've done my best, I know I have kept relationships intact, because sometimes we can work really hard and lose all the people we love, um, at the end of the day, and then have the fruitfulness to go with it. And honestly, it's just about remembering to live from a place of rest. So, yes, this merchant ship, and I was thinking about a merchant ship has got the capacity to carry a certain amount of weight, and if it is overloaded beyond its capacity, it will not go anywhere. And it's a visual picture for us. Sometimes we feel like we're so overloaded. It's like, I can't move, there's too much happening. Well, you are overloading beyond your design. And people can't do that to you. You only do it to yourself by saying yes and yes and yes and yes. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't move. I can't breathe. I don't know what to do now. And so you've got to get yourself out of that situation. The other thing is we can be so afraid of that happening in our life that we say no and no and no and no and no. And then we are this big, beautiful, capacious vessel with no cargo on board. <laughs> nuh -uh. We've got to remember God has created us for capacity and there is a certain capacity that we need to make sure that we are utilising as good stewards of our life. Um, I was thinking about, I don't have a picture of a merchant ship, that would be boring anyway, but I was actually thinking about 
an example, and it's not about a ship, it's about a plane. Now, I don't like flying. I cannot count how many flights I've been on. I wouldn't be able to do it. I've flown a lot in my life, and I still don't like it. It's called obedience. So, <laughs> it's not that I don't enjoy when I go, if it's to speak at a conference, I'm always very privileged to do that and ask God to, you know, speak to me more than I speak to others. And I also do love a vacation, but the process is always like, oh, I don't like flying. Anyone not like flying? Okay, oh, lots of people. Some of you be like, get me on that plane. I'm good. Turbulence is fun. No thanks. <laughs> so we were on our honeymoon, Pastor Jonathan and I, uh, 24 years ago this April. Come on. It's not bad. It's not bad. And of course, uh, because this was actually a honeymoon rest fun thing, he planned to take us so far away. It did take three days to get there. It was like so, I'm like, is there no way close? Can we just not go to Disneyland? We were living in Australia at the time. Uh, and guess what? I did get two nights at Disneyland on our way back because that was, the, that was the deal for me. When we moved here, he said, can we please go somewhere else for vacations? Because, you know, it's just up the road. I said, okay, no worries. So we went to this remote island. And his whole dream was, we'll go to one island and then we're going to hop on a little plane, little plane, and we're going to go to another island and then we're going to hop on another little plane. And I'm like, what part of this is fun? I'm like, can we swim? Is there like a, a boat, a big boat, something? Nope. Oh, no. And I, so I'm like, okay, Father God, he is a man of God and it's not going to go down with him on it. So <laughs> I did have these thoughts and I'm not kidding. So... We were at the airport. Now, this is pre-9-11. Airports were different. Do you remember back in the day? Airports were different. And we are talking about somewhere that is um, rural. So there was a terminal, and there were planes outside all over the place. They're just plane, 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 plane. And then the door would open, and everyone would just walk out and find a plane. I can remember walking around the tarmac. Can you imagine this now? Everyone's just walking around trying to find the plane. And I'm like, oh, that one looks nice. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's clean. Is that a good sign? Uh, I saw one out the corner of my eye and I saw the pilot standing there. I'm like, please let it not be that. And a lady had a crate of chickens. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking pre-9-11, right? Crate of chickens. And so uh, we're walking towards this and I'm like so reluctant. Pastor Jonathan is smiling as he tells me to hurry up because I'm dragging. I'm like, oh, not that one. I want the one that's shiny and clean. So standing there and I'm thinking, I've got a very terrible feeling about this one. <laughs> but I got on the plane. I'm sitting there next to the lady with a crate of chickens. And Pastor Jonathan is talking with the pilot who is also the stewardess flight attendant, who's also the cargo loader, we're talking about back in the day, and um, the guy tells Pastor Jonathan, oh, your luggage probably won't get there for a couple of days, because we're already overloaded. I'm sitting there thinking, Father God, that thing about man of God, please let that be so. <laughs> I didn't get off the plane, I'm sitting there thinking, Father, you've got this, you've got this, and I'm like, Jonathan, you've got this, otherwise... I'll kill you too, like, <laughs> if anything happens to us. And Jonathan was more concerned about the luggage not getting there because he bought, like, we had nice outfits, our honeymoon. <laughs> and he also took one look at this guy. Um, 
who didn't have clean shoes. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but like if you're going to trust someone, they have to have clean shoes, right? <laughs> in, a, in a position of authority. It's like you're a pilot, you don't have like dirty shoes, like really, really, really dirty shoes. And Jonathan said, okay, you can get out now. I said, I passed the test of faith. And then we're standing on the tarmac still with all these planes. Some of them are taking off at this point. We're just standing there. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And I literally did this. I looked up at the sky. Father God. And you know what happened? I saw a plane. I'm like, the plane, the plane. Do you remember that show a long time ago? And it was a plane that belonged to the resort we were going to. And it was white and turquoise and clean. And I called the resort. I said, you've got a plane? They said, oh, yeah, we can come pick you up. Did no one tell you? I'm like, no. Good story, right? True story. Plane came. The guy's name was Brian. I'll never forget Brian, the pilot. He had a hat. He even had a hat. He was clean. There were no rips in his shirt, shiny shoes. And there was just us on the plane. We did fly like this. But that was okay. By the time I got off the plane with the chickens, I was actually okay to get on anything. That was a little bit different. So just saying, when it comes to capacity, the overloaded flight is a danger. The overload, the overload. God has actually built us for a healthy margin. We are not meant to max out our life so we've got nothing left for anyone else or ourselves. Amen? And finally, gift. Gift. I hope this is helping somebody, even if it's story time with Pastor Di, it's at least uh, something to come out on a Sunday morning for, right? <laughs> Number three, the, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, and the good news is we've all been gifted by God. That's a true story, and I'll share some scriptures. You can go home and study them. There are um, different uh, tests you can take online to find out what your spiritual gifts are, I don't want to go so much into um, what the gifts are, but I do want to tell you, you, do, you are gifted. God has gifted you, and there is a reason for it. So some of the scriptures you can study later are 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to write these down, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and you can go ahead and um, look at those, of course. But God has given us a gift... We've been born on purpose for a purpose, and that's actually his purpose. If we fast forward, play the movie out to the end of our life, which none of us knows when that will be, nobody does, what is going to matter? It's not going to, the politics don't matter, and I'm not just talking about politics as in DC, I'm talking about church politics, I'm talking about family politics, I'm talking about work politics. Just that whole red tape of nonsense doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter in heaven, let it not matter on earth. It takes away our peace and it takes away our sense of rest in our soul. We've been given this gift for a reason and it's not to overload us. Sometimes, I can remember when I, I first started serving in our church back in Australia, um, I did have a, a large capacity and I didn't realise I had a large capacity and I was asked by lots of people to keep doing things. Could you do this? Could you do that? Because they saw that I would do it and I would do it well and I was really happy about it. And I had to learn the no word to some things. 
Not, no, get lost. That's not nice. But I would so love to do that. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, right now, with everything I've got on, um, I won't be able to do that well, so I'm not going to commit to that now. But I do remember my capacity grew from just saying yes to one little thing and then it becoming something that sparked a whole lot of other things. And how did I meet the man of God? By serving in the house of God. By serving in the house of God. I just got on with it, loved it. it I've not been burnt out. Jonathan and I talk about this a lot. Like, how, how is it that we didn't get burnt out? We get tired. We get beat up. <laughs> we get, like, frustrated. We, get, we go through the whole thing. But at the end of the day, we're still, like, what, energi- what energizes us and our marriage is purpose. It is the common cord. So here is the thing when it comes to the gift. We have been equipped by God with a gift. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jonathan's been talking about that for a few weeks, which means we are actually a lamp plugged into the source. And we are entrusted by Jesus to carry out his mission on earth. So why is gift last in our priorities for leadership? If our hearts aren't healthy and rested, if our capacity isn't always growing, then our gift will not sustain us. Giftedness without growth of capacity from a healthy heart leads to burnout. This is really good news. You ready for some good news this morning? I want to tell you this is really good news. You are responsible for your own heart. The good thing about that is somebody can hurt you and you can fix you. You're not waiting for somebody else to fix you because they hurt you. Oh, no, no, no. You have got, God has given you the ability to actually, with him, his grace, his healing power, to fix the hours of our life. We don't have to hold on to anything waiting for somebody else to do something in order for us to have freedom and peace. I think that is really good news comes with a responsibility because we can actually say well this happened and that happened but it's an excuse and it's not going to change anything you're going to just have a burden of pain and the call of God is without recall so if we stop serving God because of an hour in our heart that burden's not going to go away God's just going to keep reminding us that he's called us on purpose for his purpose and he wants us to have a whole healed happy heart that's our God he doesn't want anyone super serving he doesn't want anyone doing the industry of ministry he wants us to do it because we love him and we are refreshed by him Sabbath is a tithe of our time I love that the Bible says that we are not here to serve the Sabbath the Sabbath is here to serve us that is our God he's saying If you just keep going at it and going at it and going at it, you've got no one else to blame but you. I've got no one else to blame but me. There has got to be that margin in our life that God has provided that we actually have the wisdom to use so that we don't have a pained heart. If the worship team could come, I just want to finish with a little story because I have started to... I went back to school in January. Some of you know that. If you've been part of our sisterhood, Zoom, I shared that. It was a big decision because I left school at 16 in 10th grade. 
Um, back in the day, that was something you did unless you wanted to go to university and I just wanted to do anything creative other than being stuck in a cubicle. That wasn't really my thing. Or stuck in an office or, or stuck in, with my head in more books. And so I'm doing my master's in strategic leadership and I love this course. I've got to say, the fact that I got in is a miracle. The fact that I'm even passing is <laughs> like, wow. But I'm really looking forward to the next two years. It's a two-year program because I am learning so much, and it's a, it's a Christian university, about me. And I'm learning. So when I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking to you in theory. I'm speaking to you in practice. And I'm really praying that over the next two years, as I learn more things, as I change, and as I become my prayer is to become more like Jesus, that I can share things with you that I know, because life can just take you out, and especially if you're isolated, or if you talk to the wrong people, or if you just hang around with people that have got like oozing infections in their soul, you're not going to get free. So I want to share some words from Dr. Dan. He's um, one of the professors, and we were just chatting a little bit about ministry and life, and um, and he, he's a doctor of divinity. He's a very, very smart man, very educated, but amazing heart as a pastor as well. And he said there is nowhere in the Bible that says serving God should be a burden. And he said, I want to share a story with you called the pinata story. Pinata. I don't know how to pronounce this. Is that right? Pinata. It's got a little thingy over it, but is that how you say it? Pinata. Everyone know what a pinata is? Gotcha, that's important. This is what he said. <laughs> I've often used the illustration about ministry being like a piñata. We, we start out in ministry all beautiful and filled with wonderful dreams. Then someone uh, ties a rope around us and strings us up from a tree. Then a blindfolded person, they don't know what they're doing, will beat you until everything good has fallen out of you and then they take what was in you and run off with it. <laughs> the only thing left is a shell of what you once were, with all good things gone. I have felt that way. But when the Lord fills us again, we learn that people are to be loved and served, and we freely give away our dreams so that others may be nourished through them. Yay, Dr. Dan. What a good word. Holy pinata, Batman. I'm like... Yes, life can do that. You feel like that's happened. If you haven't felt like that's happened, you need to get involved. It's important. <laughs> I'm playing with you today. It can be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. When that happens, the most important thing is the Lord filling us again. I want to take a moment to worship, and I'm going to pray for people today. I want to pray specifically about the relationship with Jesus that we have and the relationship with Jesus that we could have. So let's just worship him for a moment. You want to stand to your feet?
if you could close your eyes, and if you're watching from home, if you want to close your eyes, you can. But thank you for your attention for a moment because I want to speak to you about the most important decision any one of us could ever make. And it's about a relationship with Jesus that is real. It's not about religion. It's not about a burden. It's about removing the burden, lifting the burden. And, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus being our Savior and being our Lord. And this morning I want to pray if you've not received Jesus as your Savior or your Lord this morning and you want to do that, you want to switch that pain and that burden for peace and freedom, will you just raise your hand right now so I can see you? And if you're doing this at home, you can raise your hand. Father, God sees you. There are people with their hands up. I want to also include in my prayer today for anybody, you know Jesus is your Savior, which means he has saved you, which means you have got a life and eternity in heaven with him when you go out at the end of your days here on earth. But is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? If he's Lord of your life, it means that you are going to allow him to steer your life to give your life of purpose where you can actually serve him and know him before you get to heaven. My dream, my heart, my, in my head, I see myself at the end of my days running up to Jesus and knowing him. I'm not saying, pleased to meet you. Knowing him, talking about all the things we did together on earth. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, my Lord. If that's you today and you say, I'm going to serve him. You can raise your hand, and if you're at home, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's gifted you. Let's pray this prayer all together. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for sending your son to save us and to give us a purpose. Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me for everything I've done wrong. And a brand new start. In Jesus' name.